You're listening to the Trailblazers Podcast, episode 77 with Paul Carrick Brunson. You're listening to the Trailblazers Podcast, where we will explore the stories of successful black professionals. Join us as we highlight the knowledge, resources, and tools of these accomplished trailblazers to help provide the know-how, confidence, and motivation you need to blaze your trail. And now, here's your host, Stephen Hart. What's up, Blazer Nation? Welcome to today's episode. Guys, this year, we've had so many amazing guests, but none are quite like today's trailblazer. We're talking with entrepreneur, author, master matchmaker, and television host, Paul Carrick Brunson. Paul is recognized as one of the most influential small business leaders in the world. He's a former investment banker turned founder of Paul Carrick Brunson Agency back in 2009. And this has now become an award-winning matchmaking agency that was acquired in 2016. Appearing as the co-host on the OWN Network Love Town, Oprah Winfrey herself noted that Paul is much more than a matchmaker. In May of 2017, he debuted as host and executive producer of a primetime docuseries on ABC called Help, I Need Love. He's the host of Our World by Black Enterprise, which is a weekly syndicated network and cable TV show where he interviews today's top newsmakers and business leaders. In 2016, it was announced that Columbia Pictures would secure the rights to Paul's life story to create a film about him being a pioneering matchmaker. He's received NAACP Image Award nomination for his book entitled It's Complicated, but it doesn't have to be, which is a modern-day guide to finding and keeping love. Also in 2017, he was named as a LinkedIn top voice honoring the platform's most influential writers. Guys, I could go on and on about Paul's accolades and achievements. I'll go ahead and do this. I'll post his full bio on our show notes page. You can find that over on our website at tbpod.com slash Paul C. Brunson. Listen, guys, if this is your first time or maybe it's your 77th time listening to our podcast, we'd like to welcome you into our Trailblazer family. Please help us, you know, to get the word out to others that may enjoy this episode. You can do that by clicking the share button right now, whatever podcast player that you're listening to this episode on. And go ahead and just share this out with your friends and your fam. We also get a real joy out of seeing new five-star ratings and reviews over on Apple Podcasts. That's where 77% of our episodes are downloaded. And it really helps us to be able to improve our ranking within their database and become noticed by other people who may have an interest and desire in joining this movement. So, guys, that said, let's get set to receive some mission fuel from today's Trailblazer. Mr. Paul C. Brunson. Enjoy. Paul, welcome. And thank you for being our future trailblazer today, my brother. My Jamaican brother. I'd say I like that intro. I really like that <laughs> intro. But I think that's that's the Jamaican blood running through our veins. And that's okay. why you gave me that. But I, I'd say what, I'm humbled to be here. Thank you very much for the invite. So Blazer Nation just heard me share your bio a minute ago. And... They heard about all your accolades and all your achievements. But Paul, how do you stay humble and grounded in your mission as you venture through all these wins and successes? You know, that's a really good question. I tell you, I spend a lot of time talking, but I spend even more time listening. Hmm. And, you know, just yesterday, for example, I was talking to a, a young man, 27 years old. 
he uh, can't walk. His mother has to take care of him. His niece comes to uh, take him to church on the weekends. And he talked about, you know, he just talked about his life and the challenges that he has. And, you know, he, and he hasn't been able to walk since, since being a child. You know, it's conversations like that that really ground you and let me know exactly what what I'm here to do. And the reason why he wanted to talk to me is because he he said that he's been a follower and, and he feels inspired by some of the content that I put out. You know, so that's that's really it. You know, it's it's listening and understanding that, you know, this content creation is making a real impact. And just knowing that in itself is, is a very humbling experience. You know, we're talking about being grounded, and I know you probably agree with me on this, but if anyone can help ground us, right, it's our kids. <laughs> could, <laughs> no doubt. Could you take me back to a time when either of your boys, Liam or Kingston, reminded you of that, right? And with them, you were just that, right? All the accolades, all the achievements became secondary. Oh, yeah. Oh, man, they, they, they could care less. You know, I... uh Two weeks ago, I debuted a show, a show that I executive produced and hosted on ABC, <laughs> right? The number one network in the world. So we're getting around the <laughs> Oh, man. <laughs> Kicks it like within five minutes. He was like, oh, I don't want to watch this. He went to sleep. Liam, the whole time, my youngest, three years old, he's running up and down. He never even watched. I mean, they, they could care less. They could care less. But, you know, I love it. And it's exactly what you just said. It's what allows you to know, okay, you're human. Yes. Right? You're, you're human. And, and that's so important, especially in this day and age. Yes, yes. Paul, I'm, I'm a dad as well of a seven-year-old daughter and an almost three-year-old son. So oh, same I, ages. <laughs> I absolutely appreciate the humility these kids bring to the mix every day, man. It's, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's needed. Every day. It's needed. It's, it's needed in a big way. You know, at the time of this recording, too. I'm days away from my ninth wedding anniversary, and I know you're nice. you're close to doubling Congrats. me up, right? I believe you and Jill have probably sixteen or seventeen years going right now, right? Wow, yeah. Well, congratulations to you. Thank you. Uh, yeah, yeah. And we'll have we'll have sixteen years this year. That's awesome, man. I'm sure people approach you about relationship related problems, and then maybe separately seeking business related advice. But I'm curious to know, you know what? From your vantage point, what's been the impact and the importance of a strong marriage on helping you to blaze your trail? Oh man, I mean, I, I, this is this is a topic that I talk about often mm-hmm. because uh, you know, just going back to two days ago, once again talking to another mentee, and he was talking about how he had decided that he wanted to focus on himself, making sure that he had the right job, the right income, right physically that he was in the right situation before he committed to the woman that he was dating. Hmm. And I asked him, I said, well, you know, do you love her? And he said, absolutely. And it's because I love her that I, I don't want to commit. And I said, that's, that's entirely a different way that I approached it. The way that I looked at it is the moment that I knew my wife was the one, I realized that I would become a better person by spending more time with her. And the only way to spend the optimal amount of time with her was to marry her. Mm-hmm. Right. And so after I married my wife, I will tell you that, I mean, clearly marriages have ups and downs, there's ebbs and flows, but I have evolved into a man. And it's interesting yes. because a lot of people don't like to, 
they'll try to debate me on it and say, oh, no, 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 no. You know, I, I was a man before. But no, I, I will say that I, I didn't fully walk into my manhood until after I was married. Yes. Yes. So true, man. And, you know, to speak to the person you just described a minute ago, you know, I would have said entering marriage that things were nearer to perfect than three weeks following my marriage to Kristen. I went from being on paper a millionaire to losing several million dollars in my business and my business folding while I was on a honeymoon cruise halfway across the world. Wow. Right? Wow. I, I entered marriage dealing with, you know, the need to have my wife carry us for probably 18 months, right? Before I really was able to rebuild the structure of our business and be able to move forward. But it's never going, you should never have the expectation like, oh, things are going to be perfect. And to your point, you know, marriage, a strong woman really does you know, build you up and build up, help you to mature in many, many ways. Absolutely. And j j just as you, I'm sure, have helped your wife to mature. And yes. you've built up your wife, right? So I uh, I completely agree with that, completely. So, you know, what a, a lot of people don't realize with you, probably those listening, is that your whole career path as a matchmaker began out of your act of service within a nonprofit. You were actually serving a group of low-income high school students some maybe nine years ago when you discovered something interesting. You discovered that not a single one of nearly 100 kids had two parents in their home. And I've read that, you, you know, you shared that a high percentage of those kids didn't even have any parents in their house and right. were being cared for by grandma and auntie and other folks. And you saw this problem, Paul, with broken relationships that day, and the quest to find a solution led you into the world of matchmaking. Why was becoming a matchmaker the obvious and the necessary solution and next step? I feel like there's many things you could have looked at that problem and said, oh, well, let me approach this differently. Really good question. Really good question. Because, you know, when I look at entrepreneurship, I always think about someone who has identified an acute problem. Mm -hmm. Not just a problem, right? But a serious problem. Mm -hmm. And then on top of it, they feel equipped to provide a unique solution. That, that's what I look at as, as true entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. And after, or, or should I say, while working at this summer camp, just as you described it, at that same time, I was, my wife and I, we would have what we call the brown sugar party <laughs> at our house, <laughs> right? You, and uh, everyone, and I would say, well, actually, let me ask you, what do you think the brown sugar stood for? In, in the party. Is there something sweet? <laughs> <laughs> Look at that. Yeah. yeah. It was, it was, so so we, we called it the brown sugar party because like it was a Jeopardy game kind of that we were playing, but a fun Jeopardy game, you know, like uh -huh. sex questions and that kind of stuff. Uh -huh. And you had, and we were all drinking brown sugar drinks, grandma, uh -huh. yay, Hennessy, that kind of stuff. That's why uh -huh. it was called brown sugar. But we would invite people over to our house, friends that we knew, and most of them were single, and they would all be placed on different teams. And by the end of that summer, the same summer that we're running the summer camp, one person, or should I say two people from the group, they ended up dating each other, and then later got engaged. Wow. And so that was happening simultaneously with what was happening at the, at the camp. And I remember a counselor 
at the camp joke me and say, oh, well, Paul, maybe you'll just become a hitch. You could just hook everybody up. <laughs> right. Wow. And and so what ended up happening by the end of the summer is I had that idea, that hitch idea in my head. By the way, Hitch was my favorite movie at that point. We also had the practice of what was happening, you know, with uh, with our brown sugar group. And then what I did is I took that information, that, that data, and I started researching. And I w- was looking for, you know, is there something called that? Ma- or, you know, is there a, a matchmaker out there? You know, mm-hmm. are there dating services? I didn't know about dating services then. I didn't know about any any services to, to connect people. I didn't know about dating sites or anything like that. And so and at this I point, spent, you're a married man, right? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, you know, I'm married, you know, and, and, and I grew up, you know, I kind of grew up more in the nineties where we didn't, yeah. you know, dating sites just came in vogue in the last maybe seven years. And so I researched all of it. And this is a story that I don't tell frequently, but I'm going to tell you <laughs> is that by the end of me research. So when I say the end is by the time we got into September, I had reached a point where I had researched the topic enough to know that the thing that we were doing called brown sugar, mm-hmm. that brown sugar was a great concept. Yes. But, but I, but I didn't want to, you know, run it as a business. I thought, okay, this is a great concept. Let me try to license it to someone or let me, you know, share the idea, sell the idea. That. So I identified this one woman who ran this program and I don't want to describe her name. But I, I reached out to her by phone, by email. She never responds back to me because I thought she'd be perfect for this, right? So wow. she never responds back. I then look on her online, on her website. I look at her calendar and I see that she is going to be speaking at an event in New Jersey. <laughs> so I buy a ticket to this event in New Jersey thinking I'll go to the event and then I'll walk up, introduce myself, and then I'll have time with her. And so, you know, I get to the event late. I'm always late at that time. <laughs> and so I have to sit in the back of the conference and she's all the way up. So it's hard to, you know, get up there and talk mm-hmm. to her. But the conference ends up being a matchmaker conference. Wow. And so I'm sitting there and I'm listening. It's, it's 250 of the world's top matchmakers. And I was just listening to them because I had nothing else to do. Right. So I'm just listening, listening, listening. And by the end of the day, by the end of the day, I had made up my mind. I was going to execute on the idea and I was going to become a matchmaker. Wow. So it was, it was going to that event that I hadn't even planned on going to, right? Uh, in terms of it being a matchmaker event, that's what led me into the, the career of matchmaking. Yes. I love this. I love this. Now, your road from that point to now was not a straight one, right? No entrepreneurship journey ever is. As you reflect back on this almost decade long journey, to where you are today, what was what was your biggest challenge or roadblock that you had to face? Oh man, so many. Just, I mean, I'm I, sure. <laughs> yeah, this, 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 there have been five today. <laughs> you know, it's 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 one of these where you know I think that you, you know I will say this. I don't know if this this qualifies as my biggest, but this is definitely uh, a, a huge one for me. Is reinventing myself, mm-hmm. right? So innovating and changing. So I was, you know, I went to business school. I was investment banking. I was a finance. I was a hardcore finance guy. Yeah. And while I was doing the nonprofit organization, I had a day job, right? Cause I'm true Jamaican. I had multiple jobs, <laughs> right? So I had a day job. My day job is I was, I was working for this billionaire 
Ryujo and managing his money here in the United States. And so that was my career. That had always been historically, I was the finance guy. Mm-hmm. Then I went from the finance guy to the matchmaker guy. And then right maybe within, you know, within a year of becoming a matchmaker, then I got a TV deal with Oprah Winfrey. And because I got a TV deal with Oprah Winfrey, she, you know, she blessed me. Then at that point, I then become a TV guy, right? Uh-huh. And, and then on top of being a TV guy, because my heart and soul was in finance and in business, then I become the entrepreneurial guy. And then because I'm building my brand in, in all of these areas, I become the branding guy. Because I was using social media to do all these things, I become the social media guy, right? You know, so what's ended up happening over the last 10 years is I've been pivoting from one career, not job, but one career to the next, to the next, to the next. And being able to, and by the way, all of those pivots haven't just been happenstance. Those have been methodical. So thinking of how to innovate and how to reinvent and then executing on that reinvention so that all of the previous work that I've done in say building up my matchmaking brand or my finance brand. So that's not a loss. All of that has really been a significant, significant challenge. Right. I hear you, man. And I'd say I probably don't even want my wife to listen to this episode because she she (laughs) always says, I'm one of the few people she knows that can reinvent myself and create a job better than anyone she knows. <laughs> so you might take the mantle <laughs> nice. from me, but I, no, I share no. that that feeling, man. You know, I've I've never had a job that I was educated for. You know, I taught myself everything that I needed to be able to step into a role that I felt was was something I was passionate about, was going to help me to fulfill my purpose and and step into what I envisioned being my next. And so yeah. I, I appreciate you sharing that, you know, <laughs> and I'm happy that you didn't give up along this path because as of a month ago, you became, you shared this earlier, you became the host and executive producer of the new ABC show, Help, I Need Love. Con- yes. Congratulations on this amazing, amazing accomplishment. Thank you. Thank you. It's, I'm so, so proud of it, mostly because, you know, my parents get to see me on, on TV, yes. <laughs> right? Yes. Uh, so uh, so that, that's, that's always cool. <laughs> Big things. Yeah. yeah, it's always good. Always good. Tell us a little bit about inspiration for the show and, and who it was created for. Oh, yeah. Man, this has been a project I've been working on now for about two years. Mm-hmm. And the whole idea behind this project was to shine a spotlight on a massively underrepresented group, and that is the single parent. Uh, namely the single mother. There are now 10 million households here in the States that are led by single mothers. Wow. Millennials in particular, now 50% of, of all children born to millennials are born into a single parent you know, household. This is clearly the future, whether we like it or not. Mm-hmm. And when you look at television, in particular, love and dating shows, a single mother is, is rarely represented, especially a single mother who is over the age of, you know, over 40 years old. And so this show was really for the underdog. And that's why it was so freaking hard <laughs> to get this show on air. So hard, man, so hard. But we got it to air. It did well. And we don't have the full green light, but it's looking very, very likely 
that will be running our next special. So these will, these will be coming to ABC as specials, but we'll be running our next special in the fall. I noticed that as even trying to look at the airing on ABC, ABC.com, and I couldn't pull that episode for some odd reason. Oh, yeah. You, you know why? Because so, I mean, there's so many politics in this, right. but the short of it is, is the show is under 2020. Right. And, you know, as a lot of us know, ABC has The Bachelor, and a lot of people call this the anti-Bachelor show. Uh, you know, so there's that. I mean, there's so many politics at play, which is why I say it's, it is a miracle that this show landed on air. And it's a double miracle if we get two episodes or more. And so it's one of those where I'm just so proud that it got to air and that it was re- well-received. Because when I look at our work, you know, I, I feel like we are all content creators. You know, Stephen, what yeah. you're doing with this podcast, man, this is this is a part of your portfolio, yes. you know, that, that will live forever. This is a part of your legacy. And when you look back at all of the work that you've done, whether you pivoted 10 times or two times or you've never pivoted, you know, you want to you want to look back and be proud of your, you know, your, your body of work. And when you're dealing with TV projects and there's so many personalities and politics involved, that's when these projects get, they get messed up. But I am so proud for that to be part of my, my body of work. So, so proud. Love that you said that. I, I remember reading something you've said, I believe you said once, once you discover what makes you come alive, the world opens up and the universe creates opportunities for you to do just that. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. As you're talking yeah. about that, you know, I'm thinking about not only what excites you about the opportunity now in this, but what excites you most about the opportunity as you look ahead to what this presents, opens oh, yeah. up. Yeah, this, you know, for me in particular, what this taught me, uh, I mean, many, many lessons, but probably the biggest lesson is, is this notion of dreaming bigger. Mm-hmm. But not dreaming, and, and this is where, you know, a lot of people will disagree with me on this, but not dreaming from a standpoint of something that you don't have the skills to do. You know, I, I think dreams kind of come in one of three kind of ways. You know, either people are just not dreaming at all, right? Mm-hmm. So that, that's a bad thing, you know, very small, not, you know, not very ambitious. Then there is the, big dream, the BHAG, as Jim Collins was yes. saying, good to great, right? Big, hairy, audacious yes. goals. But but the challenge with how some people use BHAGs is that they'll come up with an idea that they're not qualified for yet. Qualified meaning that they don't have the skills for yet. The Let's reason that's none of your business. <laughs> yeah. See, it's, it's not good. It's not, it's not healthy, yeah. you know? And, and so that's not what I'm, but I'm talking about now I feel more confident in the mastery of certain skills that I have. Mm-hmm. And so I now feel like I can dream bigger and really achieve those. So that that's really what this project has taught me. Love it. Love it. Paul, you know, with kind of circling back to the relationship piece, what does the world need more of in relationships? Well, that's, that's a really good one. You know, with relationships, you know, they come in all shapes and sizes all around the world. And so it's, it's hard to kind of look at common challenges that we have mm-hmm. but ultimately where i feel like we're off in general and unfortunately the trend is going in the wrong direction is this idea that 
you can connect and build with people who share different values than you have. Mm-hmm. You know, because so, you know, Tom Friedman said it, the world is getting smaller, essentially, right? We're, we're more connected than, than ever before. Facebook just came out with their new mission statement today talking about how their whole objective is now to create this, you know, um, more connected community. And so because we have access to more people than ever before, we have the ability to, to really connect with anyone we want. We can get onto Tinder and one of these dating apps. We can connect with anyone. But challenge is that if you want to have a successful relationship, there needs to be some commonality, some common ground. That common ground should be found in shared values because your values are like your rule book to life. That's what determines, you know, what you believe is right or wrong. That's what determines what, what, why you get up in the morning. That's what determines, you know, why you want to fight for the next day. And so values are incredibly important. Yes. And when we connect with people who don't share our values, that is the easiest sign for me as a, you know, as a coming from the dating services space, the easiest sign to predict demise in a relationship. And by the way, I'm not just talking about romantic relationships. Mm-hmm. No, I know. This spans to platonic, right? This spans to business. And so the, the shared values is incredibly important. That's, that's what we need. We need more shared values. I think Oprah once said, when someone tells you who they are, believe them. You, oh, yeah. And, you know, that some, sometimes it doesn't take a long time for you to, to recognize that that person doesn't share your common beliefs and values. Uh, when you see that, you just need to move on and not think like you're going to change them somehow, be it intimacy or, or business, as you said. Yes. So yes. for entrepreneurs, right, like us with big visions, hoping to inspire millions, how do we also maintain the most intimate of relationships in our lives in the midst of all that? You know, by including your spouse or your significant other and in, in what you're doing. Mm-hmm. If you look at the top reasons for divorce, a lot of people will say, oh, it's, it's finance. But technically, it's not finance. It's having disagreements and miscommunication around finance. Mm-hmm. And really what that ends up being is it ends up being just simply one of many pillars that have been broken in the relationship stemming from the fact that you have two people who have grown opposite of each other. So they're not communicating. Exactly. They're not communicating. And so one of the things that my wife and I, well, one is we work together. Mm -hmm. So that's a huge blessing. But even, you know, prior to us working together, we always made sure that we communicated what was happening in our work lives as well. You know, this is, I'm having, you know, this is what I'm doing today. This is, this is the project that I'm working on. This is why I'm working on this project. And the, and the reason why that was so important is, is A, let's keep it real. Two brains are better than one. Yes. And what I've learned is that if I can, if I'm doing a challenge in my work day, I can now bring that to my wife and she can help me think through whatever the challenge is. Mm-hmm. And the fact that we're on the same page, we, we don't have to spend five hours getting caught up. She knows exactly where I am. You know, so this whole notion of communicating what's happening in your day, you know, I get it. You get, you, you come home from work at the end of the day. A lot of people are tired. You're talked out and you don't feel like rehashing everything that's just happened. It's important to rehash it at some point because that's what will keep your relationship alive. 
how do you balance that? I'm just having this thought, like, you know, you, someone's saying grace and, and the second grace is done, someone's like, so did you take care of this deal? <laughs> 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 like, is there, is, there, is there boundaries in that when you're not allowed to talk about work? It all depends on your values. I am, I am never one that believes there are hard, fast rules that apply to every relationship. Right. The rules are all formed based on your values. You know, so with my wife and our values, we both share ambition. We both share it. So we intertwine it all. Mm. We may be talking about, you know, so what just happened maybe 40 minutes ago is my wife went to go take our boys to tutoring. Mm -hmm. And as she's taking the boys out for tutoring, we were talking about what are we going to have for dinner? And then we talked about a speaking engagement that I have on uh, Saturday (laughs) And if we had followed up to make sure that they're going to submit the check, right? So it's like <laughs> we, we intertwine it all. We intertwine it all. And that's how we do it. Right. But how we do it may not be how someone else would, would find it effective. Right. <laughs> I love it. So, you know, you've, you've now worked out several TV and media deals for, for your own business, both you and Jill. I'd love you to, to share how you approach creating and negotiating a win-win situation in these types of business deals. Man, media is tough. (laughs) You know, my advice is stay away. (laughs) (laughs) My advice is stay away. It'll drive you crazy. (laughs) Uh, You know, it's it's important to understand the vision, but more importantly, the goals of all of the parties at the table. Mm -hmm. And and this is what I mean with all of the the media deals I've done. So I have I have a movie deal right now because I've sold the rights to my book and my life story to Sony Pictures. Wow. We have two television deals right now. One, Our World with Black Enterprise, which is a syndicated show. Another one, our ABC deal. And I'm also negotiating right now. I was just offered, just uh, last night, I was offered another TV deal for cable. And so we're negotiating that one right now. So all of these deals right, are all within the last year. And what I realized is that the people who brought the deal to me have a certain agenda. Agenda, not in a bad way. They have certain goals that they're trying to achieve. But their goals are slightly different than the goals of their boss. And their bosses are probably the ones writing the check. Slightly different from the goals of the boss's boss, who are probably going to be the network, right? And yes. so my point here is that there are different goals. It's important to be aware and understand everyone's goals. So you can position appropriately to each. Hey, exactly. And, and I'll give you an example. I'll use ABC as an example. So the person who brought me into ABC, their goal is to bring talent in that's going to add value to the network or to the production company. Right. right? So, so that, so that's their goal. So they, they want to be seen as someone who I brought in talent that's going to be helpful to the company. So their goal isn't necessarily that the show airs or that there's a long series. All of that would be great, but they just want me to demonstrate something that proves that I'm a value add to the team. Mm-hmm. That's, that's their goal. Then there's the bosses. What the boss wants is the boss wants to get a show on air, yes. right? That's what the boss wants. Like, I want to get a, a project on air. 
So it needs to be a quality project. We want to get on it. Then there's the boss's boss. The boss's boss wants money, right? <laughs> so right. <laughs> they, they, they want to make sure that there's ad people, you know, ad dollars are being spent on the show. So me understanding all of this, what do I do? Well, I went out and I identified a company, a company not connected at all with the network, with the production company, but a side a company that was interested in investing, or should I say sponsoring, being a presenting sponsor for the show, for the, for the project that we're working on. Huge win, right? Huge win. Yeah. Now, the deal hasn't been signed. They haven't put any money up, but it's a huge win because the person who brought me in, now people are saying, oh, wow, Paul's adding values, bringing sponsors down yes. to the table. This is yes. awesome. The boss's boss is like, oh, wow, this is a way for us to get this to air because now we have a way to afford this. The boss's boss's boss is saying, we've got money. Yes. You know? So the whole idea here is to really be, to be acutely, see, that's one of my favorite words, acutely aware <laughs> of what everyone's goals are and deliver on those goals. That's what adding value really means. Adding value means helping someone get closer to their goals. And that's what you have to do. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Hit replay for everyone listening because you need to take in all of those negotiation techniques. Paul just dropped some nuggets of wisdom there. Paul, as a marketer, I watched as you worked tirelessly through the month of May and the week leading into this premiere, and I really enjoyed seeing your grind. I, I, I'm amazed by your your work and your production in videos on Instagram and Facebook Live. And how, how do you prepare to get in the zone for something that big? Man, I didn't have. I I had ten days. Did you? <laughs> you just like. You are on everybody's life. <laughs> uh, with this particular project, here's uh, another, I, I would say, big lesson I've learned is just because someone is phenomenal in one category of their life doesn't mean that they're more knowledgeable than you in another category. Mm -hmm. You know, so with, with TV, one thing I, I realized quickly is that these networks, they're phenomenal distribution yes. or, you know, producing a show. But it doesn't mean that they're phenomenal at marketing shows. And definitely and not in the way you took it. No, no. Like, I remember talking to them asking, okay, well, how are you going to market this? What are we going to do? And, and their response was, you know, basically, we're going to do what we always do. You come to New York, you're going to do Good Morning America, you're going to do this radio show. It, that's, that's traditionally how it's been done. Whenever someone says, we're going to do it the way it's always been done, that's when you should get scared. Yes. That's really when you should get scared. And so when I heard that, I said, no, thank you. And, and the only way I could say no, thank you is because I'm an executive producer on the project. Uh -huh. And so my response was, no, thanks. I can handle it. I'm just going to stay in DC. And they're like, what are you going to do? And I said, I'm going to leverage my community. And they, were, they thought, okay, this is going to be a bust. But I immediately went to my community. Now, I will, I will say this in full disclosure. You have to be ready so you don't have to get ready. And man, and if you never read Jab, 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 Right Hook, because I mean, you like I, I, Gary V needs to have you as like case study number one for how you executed this, man. You, you, you know, I will say a side note about uh, Gary, which is which is crazy is that. So Gary, the first time that Gary Vaynerchuk spoke publicly was at American University in Washington, D.C. Wow. I sat front row. Stop. Not be oh yeah. Not not because I knew who he was. I didn't know at all. 
I was on campus. This just shows you nothing just happens. Yeah. Like nothing just happens. I was on campus at American University to talk to one of my friends. He, he was going to give me some advice on a project I was working on. There was a flyer. As I, I left his office, there was a flyer that was like, Garrett, you know, social media guru, you know, coming tonight. And I was like, who, who's this, you know, who's this, <laughs> this white guy? I'm like, who, who's this guy? Right. And, and so I remember saying to myself, I'll just walk by, you know, and, and check it out as I'm walking out. I walk by and the, it was packed. The room was packed. And I thought, man, you know, I don't know. Like at that time I had no Facebook page. Right. I didn't know about Twitter, nothing. So I decided to walk in and as it would happen, because nobody likes to sit in the front row, the front row was open. Nice. So I just walked on down, sat in the front row, and here comes Gary V. At that time, he used to wear a, a wristband. You know, he's got a shirt. He had a, a hat on, a, a Jets hat. Mm-hmm. And he's just like cursing. He's doing his, his, he's been doing the same thing for years. Like his, his, <laughs> his, his delivery is the same. Oh um, my God. High energy. And I remember, you know, even talking to him and I, and it was that moment when I realized I've got to get on my social game. So I bought his book, Crush It, at uh-huh. that time. That was his book, his first yes. book. Now, fast forward like two years, I get the deal with Oprah. And guess who Oprah hires to handle social, social media, media for the show? Yes. Vayner Media. Yes. Like the new launch of Vayner Media. So then we connect there. Then we connected again after that. And he was like, at that time, he was like, Paul, like, I've watched what you've done. It's been incredible. And he was even, he, at that time, he said that he was getting ready to do another book profiling people who had crushed it. And he's like, Paul, I got to have you for this book. This is crazy. But I will say this. His, if I were to, if I had to point to a particular book that was, that, that like pushed me over the line that, you know, that helped me really, it was his book crush it mm-hmm. it was his book crush it that did it and so so man yeah nothing at all just happens nothing at all just happens i don't even know where we were well, but, you know so well, we were talking about you know just the fact that and i brought up job 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 right hook because you are you, you are a perfect example of someone who has just poured tremendous value into your community through your videos i mean you are an open book right and so, at the you know, looking at this now, when you needed that reciprocation, that, you know, support from your community, it was there. And I'm sure that helped in a big way to push those numbers for the, the premiere of the show. Yeah, I, I when I came out to ask the community and, and I'll, I'll even go back because now I remember I, I didn't mention the whole being ready so you don't have to get ready. Yeah. In that when the moment that I got the deal at ABC, there was no guarantee that the show was going to come to air. But the moment that I got the deal, I then assembled a a team of 10 volunteers to be ambassadors for the show. Wow. And I told them, I said, you know what? This show may never make it, but if it does, there will be a, a point in time in which I need you. And so let's start preparing. So every month for almost two years... Wow. We would get, to, we would talk for 30 minutes, 10 minutes. I keep them updated on the show, what was happening. And we would talk about different things. So by the time the show came, I had already a foundational crew of like ninjas 
who were ready and anxious. And they were like, we're, you know, they were like ninjas who had been training and now they're getting ready to go out. They need to kill somebody. They're like, we, we right. need to kill somebody. Bro. And so the moment I said green light, they were, they, they, they were on it. And we did 87, 87 interviews in seven days, I'm all sure. via social. Wow. And we had wrapped up 24 hours before the show. We had accumulated a hundred thousand Facebook views alone on the videos that we did. And I firmly believe that this is the reason why we were able to drive great numbers to the show. It was because of, uh, it was because of that campaign. And mess around. You might have a, might have a media offering to the industry. I mean, that's tremendous reach for someone without, you know, imagine if you had that industry backing to build an even larger social community. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Or, or just even, you know, three weeks opposed yeah. to one week. Exactly. You know, so the good news here is that that model. So right now, for example, we're working with ABC to come back with the second special. So the ambassador group now has grown. It's from 10 to 3. There's over 300. I think it's 362 wow. people now. We now have multiple companies who have observed what we've done and they're ready. I know you have a, a whole community of people wanting the second round. Oh man, they're, they're ready. And instead of just, you know, saying, okay, you guys just pause. I'm now, I keep reaching out. I'm feed, I'm saying, okay, I'm keeping you updated. Here's what's going on. Yes. You know, they're being kept abreast. They're being part of the, of the process. And what I realized is that there's ownership in that. And so when they're out promoting the show, it's not, I'm promoting the show for this other, this guy, Paul Brunson. It is, I'm part of special project and I'm doing this on behalf of myself. Mm -hmm. And, and that, that makes it very powerful. And so I have no doubt the moment that we get the air date for this next show that we're going to put up even bigger numbers. Why is posting video, especially in, in Facebook and Instagram, so powerful right now? Everything has gone to video. I tell all of my mentees that if you are posting static images or text, it will not be seen. And the reason why is because the algorithms on Facebook favor video. In particular, they favor live video and then, uh, you know, then posted video right after that. So video is everything. When we did those interviews, those video interviews, 90% of the people who we did the video interviews with had never done a video interview before. But we taught them how to do the video interview. And what's awesome is now since the show, they're all doing video interviews. Like, but that's how you get the most traction, without question, are, are the videos. Love it. Love it. As we're getting down to the tail end of this talk, what would be your one piece of advice to the young entrepreneurs that are, are just getting started listening to this story, you know, getting pumped up, but really don't have much direction? All right. I'm going to say something that they probably have never heard. Probably. That's my bet. Love it. Bring it. All right. Now flow with me on this. The first part is not going to be very optimistic, right? The first part is, if you haven't launched your business yet, stop for a second. Because launching your business right now might not be the best move for you. Mm. And, and this is the reason why I say this, is that most businesses fail. Not because of lack of financing. 
not because of all the reasons we are lack of funding, that kind of stuff. Knowledge. It's because they are bad ideas. Mm-hmm. Now, the reason why they're bad, it doesn't mean that it's, it's not a good idea, by the way. I should say they're bad business ideas. Mm-hmm. There's not enough market demand for it. You know, we all have that friend that's like, oh, wouldn't it be really cool if, you know, there was a car and the car had a helicopter <laughs> propeller on it. Uh, and then you could also drive it into the water, you know, like, yeah, but who's buying that? Right. There's like three people in the world is going to buy that. That's it. Yeah. So it's not that it's a bad idea, but it's a bad business idea because there's not enough market demand. Don't understand and product s- market fit. Yeah. Yes. Yes. There you go. So the first thing that you have to do, and you just said it, is that you have to stop and you have to test the idea. Go through product market fit model, right? Do these things to confirm that there's demand, there's enough demand for the product. That's one thing. And the second thing is you have to do full inventory over yourself to understand whether or not you have the skills to bring this product to market to fruition. Because most of us, not some, but most of us don't have the skills. And if you have self-awareness, which is, by the way, what ego is, a lot of people are like, oh, I don't have ego. No, you should have ego. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't have big ego like Kanye West, big ego. But you should have ego, which is you have self-awareness. Yes. If you have self-awareness, that means that you can determine whether or not you have those skills. And that's really what it's about. Do you have the skills and is it a good idea? Again, these nuggets always done, man. I- <laughs> I, I love all of this. I love all of this. Paul, at this point, you've got this amazing brand. But as I'm listening to you, I'm I'm wondering, what's continuing to push you towards new and higher heights? You're talking about, you know, new potential deals. Like, what's, what's the end goal? What's the vision in all of this? I don't have an end goal. And I'm very transparent with that. You know, there's no master plan here. I could so you be... don't have like a 10-year plan or... Not at all. Not at all. Next year, I could be a lifeguard, you know, (laughs) like I have no master plan. But what I do have is I have multiple projects that I'm incredibly passionate about. And I don't take on every project. You know, Warren Buffett said it best. The difference between successful and the most successful is the most successful people say no the most. Uh So I do do turn down a lot. You know, a real quick one, too, that you will love. You will love, and I haven't publicly announced this, but we did sign the deal, and so I can talk about it, is that I am part of a team building a school in Jamaica. Graduating. <laughs> yeah, we're building a school. Love and, that. Love yes, that. And, love that. And, and the goal is to build 20 schools. And we already have the financing. The team has already started. The ribbon cutting is going to be October. That's how quickly this thing is happening and it's you know it's june right now in uh, jamaica when it's recording so i'll be in jamaica probably four weeks to check out some of the groundbreaking there and so we might connect there then because i'll be in jamaica in october as well yeah let's love do it. it love it yeah love uh, well i tell you you have an invite you have official invite to the ribbon cutting we you know but we'll, we'll work all you know yeah, get your, but all these projects man I, I feel so blessed to be able to get up and be able to do these things that i'm passionate about so so my goal is just to keep doing it. And the common theme across all my projects is impacting people, changing lives. That's what it's about. If it's a TV project, if it's a mentoring project, if it's opening a school in Jamaica, 
my objective, the end goal of the project is, has it changed lives in a material way? Right. Paul, we began this conversation talking about your two boys with the blink of an eye. They'll grow up. They'll become adults themselves. What's your best advice to parents that you yourself, you're putting into application right now to be able to raise responsible, respectful, and loving young black men and women? Yeah, man, I I was Father's Day just passed and I was interviewed by a couple of outlets talking specifically about raising black men in this day and age, or should I say boys, black boys to become men. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my, I always say this is that I was blessed to have incredible parents who are still with me, thank God. And I was able to see in them, you know, they modeled appropriate behavior. Mm-hmm. And what's fascinating to me is that, you know, my father did not have his father in his life. And I always wonder, like, how was he able to model this behavior? Because he, he didn't have, he didn't have men in his life. Mm-hmm. You know, when I talked to him about it, his response is, is that I looked at you and your brother. So I have a, a, a little brother. And so he had two boys too. And he realized that he was smart enough to figure it out. And so he, he figured it out. And what I always say is that you always want to put people in your life who model great behavior. That's the reason why mentors are so important. Yes. And so that's the first thing. And so I, I try to put people in my life who are modeling great behavior, in particular men, black men who are raising black boys so I can see it. But here's the thing. If you can't put yourself in physical proximity to that, that's the beauty of books, right? The beauty of going to YouTube and and, and listening to some good inspirational talk. That's the beauty of this podcast, right? That's the beauty is that you get the digital proximity, which is a good second place to it. So that's my kind of a knee gut response. But personally, what I try to do in my home, like right now, and you like, you like this too, I think is I'm talking to you sitting in my, I'm looking right now at a painting of Garvey. Nice. And and right next to that is the painting of W.E.B. Du Bois. And in my living room, I have a big Bob Marley. You know, in another room, I have Tucson Overture. And so, you know, at three, my three-year-old, he could tell you who Marcus Garvey is, who W.E.B. Du Bois is. He says good morning to Bob Marley every morning, right, when he wakes up. <laughs> the fact that they're able to see these men you know, and we have women in the house as well. But the fact that they're able to, to see, you know, these brilliant, brilliant leaders and understand that they are connected to these brilliant leaders. And this is a part of their history. This is a part of their legacy. That I think is incredibly powerful, especially in this day and age. Yes. Paul, I'm about to ask you the last question here and more so an invitation to share one action that our future trailblazers who have been listening to this, what should they commit to this week to help them blaze their trail? Commit to read more, you know, commit to read more. I, three years ago, I was reading about three to four books per year, three to four books per year. And by the way, that's the average number of books that are read in the United States, three to four books per year by the average person. Then last year, I told myself that I have to increase it. So I started reading one book per week last year, which, you know, got up to, you know, 52 books over the course of the year. 
this year, I now read three books every week. Reading or up, audio or? Reading, wow. reading. I wake up at 4 a.m. And between about 4.30 and 6.30 a.m., Monday through Saturday, so 12 hours a week, I read. Every morning, no matter where I am, I read. And Sundays, you know, if I get an extra hour or two, I'll read. And I'm able to read three books every week. And that has changed my life. Because I'm not just reading. There's a, you know, I'm using a technique to increase the comprehension. I take notes. I go back. I review the books. I write summaries of everything that I read. That's changed my life. Like, hands down, it's changed my life. Is that part of your knowledge share? It is. But, you know, I'll say this. I was doing that before Knowledge Share. So I was reading three books every week. And when I started talking about it, just casually, like to friends, and they would say, oh, my God, you read three books. Like, I wish I could read that. But then I get it because they'll say, I don't have the time or I don't know what books to select or, you know, I don't I can't comprehend the books. And so one person said, hey, well, you know, can you share the list? Mm -hmm. Or could you just pick one and tell me which one you recommend? And someone said, Oh, you take notes. Can you share notes? Someone said, Hey, you take, you take notes. Can you teach me this particular? So I just put it all together and that's what knowledge share is. So I read the books. I summarize them. I write the top six lessons in the book. I then create an audio that I read within 15 minutes. So if you want to listen to the audio, I then teach a lecture, a 90 minute lecture on the particular skill that the three books are based on that week that's what knowledge share is you know and so tell them how they can get involved with knowledge share if they have more interest knowledge share the easiest thing is just to go to policybrunson.com and the information will be up but it's my mentoring program and i will also say that tv is awesome you know doing this movie is awesome public speaking is awesome all matchmaking was awesome because i sold my agency last year Quite honestly, all of those are side hustles. Knowledge share is my main hustle. That's my, that is my baby. Wow. Wow. Boy, Paul, we need to plan uh, another meetup. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> next time with a couple ice cool red stripes and, <laughs> and, and a game of dominoes. <laughs> I tell you what, we should do it in Jamaica. That's what we should do. It. I'm all for it, man. <laughs> yeah. Listen, I want to say thank you so very much for coming on the podcast today. I truly enjoyed this conversation. I appreciate you being so kind to share your story with our community. You know, before we wrap up, do you want to share how we can stay connected to you and how we can support you in, in these endeavors that you have happening right now? Sure, sure. I appreciate that too. I'm real easy to get a hold of at Paul C. Brunson on, you know, all your favorite social platforms. And I, I'm free with my email address. It's paul, P-A-U-L, at paulcbrunson.com. And that is the best way to get a hold of me is whichever way is convenient for you. If you're on Facebook, LinkedIn, whatever it is, that is how you reach out to me. And he engages people. <laughs> you absolutely are pretty good at, at engaging on, on social. Paul, thank you so much, man. Appreciate Steven, it. Steven, thanks. thanks. Thanks, man. It's, it's always, uh, I will say this. It always feels good when I hear that nice Jamaican accent. That's like, when I hear that, I feel at home. And so you brought some uh, you brought some of that to me today. So I appreciate it. It's, it's an honor to talk to you. 
Well, that's it for today. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the Trailblazers podcast. I'll be posting links to all of today's book recommendations and links mentioned on our show notes page at tbpod.com. If today was your first time listening to the Trailblazers podcast, I just want to extend a warm Trailblazers welcome to you. We're so happy to have you here and we encourage you to go ahead and hit that subscribe button in your favorite podcast app. Go ahead and browse through some of our past episodes to keep the knowledge flowing. If you're a fan of the podcast and today's content, and you're maybe already subscribed to the podcast, please continue to share and invite your friends, your family, your colleagues to listen to an episode that you think might impact them most. We believe that someone listening to these inspiring stories will be moved to make significant changes that will have generational impact for many others, both now and well into the future. Don't miss next week's episode. New episodes are released each and every Monday by about 5 a.m. Eastern. Trailblazers, jump off this podcast today. Go find a way to rise above, go way beyond, and keep blazing your trail. Cheers.